Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. confession uh, comes restructuring my life uh, to rely on God's Word uh, to transform my life. Uh, And in many ways, this is probably what you were looking for when you came to this seminar. Uh, Like at least Fitzpatrick would say, in the past when I've read books uh, or gone to seminars, I frequently skip right to the eating plan. Uh, So I could get to the store, buy the foods on the list, and get going. I didn't care why I should eat the way the author said. I just wanted to get going on losing some weight. Uh, And so, uh, finally, we're going to get practical. And I totally understand if you think that way. But I would ask you for just a moment to pause and reflect. Has everything we talked about up until now been practical? I hope so. Admitting the struggle and not, and being honest about where my level of motivation is. Seeing the different areas of struggle that exist, acknowledging the size of it so that uh, I have my level of effort where it needs to be, getting a sense of the history and the motive, learning how to talk to those motives, recognizing that sometimes I'm going to win, I'm going to lose, but I'm going to get information. beginning to rely on God in the way that He would have me to and see this as something where He is a loving Father wanting something better for me. Involving other people so that I'm not alone in this, just trying to do it in secret. And now I come to developing a plan in that context. It is much better than if you just gave me some food facts and some lifestyle habits to say, hey, go do that. Um, Creating the context for change is as important as knowing the steps for change. And this this step, we're going to look at it in kind of three sections. Uh, First is accepting your body. Uh, Second is preparing your body to return to healthy eating habits. Uh, And then third is some good body and food stewarding practices. Uh, The first of those is to accept your body. And we... I think us accepting our body is important for us to do before we begin to enact the things that may make us more proud of our body. And so what do I mean by accepting our body? Uh, That means I care for my body in a manner that honors God and I am content uh, with my weight and shape regardless of the number on a scale, the effects of age, or how I look in comparison to others. Again, my goal is simply to be a good steward of the body that God has given me, not to compete with anybody else or try to live up to an artificial standard. I do not change in order to accept my body. That is an anti-gospel mindset. I mean, if we think about it, we, we do not change in order to gain God's acceptance. We are accepted by God and that motivates us to change. 
that same relationship that we have with God is what should be expressed in our relationship with food. And so here are some things that are, I think are important in learning to accept your body. First, stop degrading your body. Uh, my oldest son is probably the little more dramatic of, of my two boys. Uh, and frequently when he gets down on himself, he'll kind of go to that place where like, I'm no good, I can't do it, it's all bad, I'll never get it. Um, and, and there's a conversation that we have frequently um, where, uh, where I just ask him and I say, Lawson, if anybody else were talking about my son that way, would I stand for it? No. Okay. Nobody gets to talk about my son that way, including you. You are my son. The things that you are saying are not true. You are degrading somebody that I love. And as your father, I'm saying that's not okay. In that same kind of moment where God would come to us and he would say, nobody talks about my child, my daughter, my son that way. That includes you. And so we, uh, we stop degrading our body. We stop putting our life on hold. Life does not begin at minus 10 pounds. Um, we are not going to be taken hostage by the numbers on a scale. Whatever it is that we're putting on hold, engage and enjoy life. Think God's words about yourself. Appendix A is in 120 statements about who you are in Christ. All of them kind of scriptural reference right there. You could do one a day for the next four months looking at who you are in Christ and saying, am I talking about me that way? It is the opposite of not talking bad about yourself. It is saying those things that are true in Christ. Develop your own style and personality. Enjoy being you. I, I, I think everybody here will agree with me. When you meet somebody who has this kind of selfless sense that they enjoy who they are, they are comfortable in their own skin, that is probably the most attractive quality another human being can have. And just... Psalm 139, God knit us together. He made us, not just body, but personality, passions, and interests. Enjoy being you. There is nothing more attractive than that. Um, and then finally, rest and run in God's acceptance. Resting has to do with significance. I will never be anything more significant than a child of God. And so nothing about my body type or image or weight or anything else is going to make me more significant. And running has to do with purpose. The most satisfying thing that I can do is accomplish those things that God set out for me to do. And I'm going to do both of those in God's acceptance. And when I get to that point that that is my relationship with my body and figure, my ability to do everything else that we're about to talk about is so much more free and liberating. Now, uh, our second area uh, has to do with uh, preparing to return to healthy eating. Uh, for better or worse, 
our bodies are highly adaptive. When we do bad things to our bodies, our bodies adapt to being treated badly. And sometimes we have to help our bodies get back in a position to get used to being treated well. And here, most of this is taken from chapter 10 uh, in Dr. Jantz's book. Uh, if you look at this and go, this is helpful for me, I would encourage you to get and read that because I think he does a fabulous job in walking through this part of the material. It, uh, and so rebuilding our digestive system. Again, we talked about uh, how when we overeat or undereat uh, our, our GI system, it just it, it gets off. Uh, and so here uh, talks about the importance of dairy, um, dairy products with probiotics, uh, a high fiber diet, some whole grains, the way that that creates a better gastrointestinal ecosystem. Um, I wasn't quite sure about that phrase, but I think it communicates what he's talking about. Uh, nutritional rehabilitation, not just kind of the from stomach through intestines, but the rest of my body. Uh, he kind of gives a prioritized order in which we need to begin to get um, our nutritional system back in balance. Uh, potassium, zinc, uh, our B vitamins, amino acids. Uh, these are those things that on top of just like potassium and its role like we were talking about with the heart and that kind of thing, um, so much of our appetite, our sleep cycle, and our energy level is predicated on those areas of nutrition being in balance. And when our sleep cycle and energy level and appetite's off, it's going to be very hard for us to have a healthy relationship with food because our body is trying to compensate for those things being out of whack. Um, there's a whole set of healthy food choices here. Uh, I will admit to you, some parts of this will get a little repetitive. Let me explain the strategy behind that. My assumption is uh, that most of you are not going to go out and read a big stack of books on disordered eating. Uh, that's kind of my job. I'm a nerd. I like it. I'll do it. Uh, I'll read that. Hopefully, I systematize them in a system where we got, I can kind of see the gospel being walked out in this so that as you go through, there's some of these authors that you go, every time he quoted that author, it just resonated with how I think. That one just kind of spoke to me. You know, the parts that he pulled, that, that seemed to be what I needed most. So that when you get the opportunity to say, I'm going to read one of those books, you have a better sense for which one uh, would suit you best. And so I leave some of the repetition here just so you can see where you would get that material from each of the authors. Uh, eating a variety of foods. This really helps, like if you've got a sense of hardcore food rules where there's certain just, there is no such thing as a bad food. Um, there may be foods that I struggle to express self-control with, but that doesn't make it a bad food. Uh, and so a variety of foods helps me break some of those food rules. Uh, keeping our blood sugar in balance. That's why we don't eat a lot of high sugary foods because when we've got the blood sugar levels going up and down a whole lot, it just messes with our energy level. You get into the hypoglycemia, that kind of stuff. Uh, a balanced level of physical activity. Um, you know, your fatty and cholesterol foods, those tend to be the ones that we're more prone to comfort eat. Um, our meal environment. Uh, if you've been over-restricting, uh, there's a good chance that 
eating is going to be a bit nerve-wracking. And your ability to be, or propensity to begin to have some irritable bowel around the time when you're eating, just because this isn't something that you're used to, beginning to select some calmer settings so that you offset some of the effects of nervousness related to eating uh, is a good form of self-care. Uh, listen to your body signals. Uh, this goes back to that idea of keeping your hunger range between 3 and 7 and not being out there at like 2 to 9 or 1 to 10, not living out there on the extremes. Uh, slow down when you eat. It takes about 20 minutes uh, for that hunger satiation mechanism to begin to take effect. Now, we'll talk about this again in just a moment, but also part of this is enjoying your food. Uh, but slowing down uh, helps us with that. And so now we move uh, to things that are just good body uh, and food stewardship practices. Uh, this is where I'd encourage you to go back to the basics that we set out in step two. Uh, another one is to be mindful as you eat. Um, it, you know, when I read this, I realized how often I eat, and I just don't pay attention to what I'm doing. I don't even really enjoy the food. Uh, because I am moving from one thing to the next. And when I realized that I, if I slowed down the pace at which I eat, and I focused more on the experience of eating, uh, enjoying one bite before I take the next, um, experiencing the flavor, um, you know, the texture, um, beginning to pay attention just to uh, how I'm beginning to go from hungry to not, it, um, it made the entire experience of eating uh, more enjoyable, uh, and it also is a healthier way to eat. Uh, another part here is to enjoy what you eat. You will not continue what you do not enjoy. Uh, and so uh, if you go on an asparagus-only diet, um, you're not, asparagus is fine every once in a while. It, but if we don't enjoy what we're eating, uh, you need to enjoy those foods. Uh, we'll talk about some of those tempting foods in just a moment of like, what do we do with those that I struggle with self-control? Uh, but if there's a food that you enjoy, don't, don't take it out. Consistent exercise. Uh, one of the good things about exercise is it increases our basal metabolic rate. Basically, the number of calories that we burn when we're just resting. Uh, and so that's good. Uh, now, one of the things that if we're worried about losing weight that's not great about exercise, muscle tissue weighs more than fat. And so as you exercise and you build muscle, you may not see as much of the result as you would like on the scale because you're building a more solid tissue. That's why we're not about numbers. We're about stewarding our body. There are places where numbers lie. And when they do that, we just want to tell them, Shh, nope, not listening to you. I'm being a good steward of my body, and that's what matters. Manage your stress well. Um, stress releases a hormone called cortisol. Cortisol is not a very nice hormone. It interferes with our sleep cycle. Uh, it increases our uh, fat stores, especially around the midsection. 
Um, that's why if you came to our anxiety seminar, I said there's not exercises that you can do that spot reduce fat. Manage your anxiety well does wonders for spot reducing your fat. Because as cortisol leaves, the fat stores and where it tends to place it right around our midsection, uh, it does a lot. Uh, exercise, um, managing stress, cortisol, uh, one of the things it does is it suppresses our immune system. And so uh, when, again, as we manage stress well, it's going to do wonders for being a good steward of our body. One of the ways that we manage stress well is the next thing on the list. Don't overschedule. When we overschedule, we will have erratic eating patterns. We will eat on the go, and we don't tend to eat well when we're just eating on the go. Yet, another part of um, overscheduling that may go back to um, managing stress is we have to be willing to say no. An unrealistic yes equals false guilt. If you say, hey Brad, can you help me do blank? And I know I don't have time to take on that task. But you're looking at me and you've got puppy dog eyes and I don't want to be a bad person. And so I say yes. At that moment, I'm either going to experience guilt for letting you down or I'm going to begin to crowd out my life because we will not have a balanced diet in an imbalanced life. Another thing, do things you enjoy. You should have non-food treats. If the only treats we have are food treats, then again, it just we're using food too much as a reward. I enjoy food. I like going on food adventures with my boys and that kind of stuff. It, I don't mind food being a treat. But if I don't have non-food treats, then I'm going to over-rely on that reward system. Another one, avoid lying at all costs. Uh, I'll slow down here just a little bit to help us see the importance of this. Nothing is more dangerous than a lie. Binging is not more dangerous than a lie. Starving is not more dangerous than a lie. A lie is what leaves you alone with your sin. A lie means not only that you've sinned, but that you are continuing to align yourself with your sin. When I lie, it's as if I've got my sin over here and I've got hope over here. And I'm choosing. When I lie, I align myself with my sin against hope. When I tell the truth, I align myself with hope against my sin. That's why it is the most vital part of any kind of change uh, that we're trying to engage. Now, it's at this point in your journey... Uh, that I would encourage you to change uh, from the journal that we gave you in step three uh, to a healthy thinking journal. Because um, our focus here is less on food uh, and more on stewarding life and emotions. Uh, and so I give you a sample of what that would be. Uh, I should find that there. Um, you know, Describe the situation that's stirring your emotions. If we take the time to put it into words, uh, that helps us. What's the level of emotional intensity? If it's above four, you should be contacting somebody in your support network. 
If you look at it and you circle five or higher, I need to be on the phone. What is the worst case scenario that's running through your mind? It's going to be much less convincing if you put it on paper. Here's the way that I often say this. I have never lost an argument in my own head. When the argument is going in my head, I always win. As soon as it comes out of my mouth, much less convincing. It If we take the time to put that worst case scenario on paper, it's not going to be nearly as convincing in print as it is bouncing around our head. We share that with another person who's a part of that support network, it becomes even less convincing. Personify your emotions. Again, that's kind of creating a bit of distance. Uh, My anger is saying, my anxiety would tell me. Um, And kind of make the best case scenario for why it might be true. And you say, why do that? We'll come to that in just a moment. So that we can look at it and say, what are the typical lies or irrational fears that are embedded in this best possible scenario? That all of those patterns of thought that we were talking about in step three that are there... um, When we make the best possible argument for why we think this is true, we look at it, those patterns of thought are going to be much clearer uh, when we frame it that way. I ask myself what healthy choices are available. just makes me brainstorm a little bit. Uh, Later, I want to come back and put what are the outcomes of the situation. Because as I do that, I'm going to begin to show how my thinking and emotions weren't the most reliable here. And then what truths did you learn? This is the spot where your kind of personal devotion and study and what you're doing to combat this is less what's a part of this study and much more about your own walk with God and life in the community of other believers. Uh, And so again, that's just where you change. Where initially I was going through a journaling tool that kind of took me through these nine steps. Here I'm focused less on food, more about just healthy thinking and emotions. Um, Number ten. Value day-to-day choices. No healthy choice is too small to make a difference. So whatever that is that I put down of what healthy choices or beliefs are available, any healthy, none of them are too small to make a difference. Next one's a little bit intrusive. Uh, Clean out our closet. Uh, If you read Costin and Grab there, they talk about both why they didn't like this and why it's important. My recommendation uh, is that you put a three-month rule on your closet. If what's in there is not something that you can realistically wear in the next three months, it's got to go. We are not going to be tormented by a set of skinny jeans. Okay? We are like, skinny jeans, out. Okay, as close to Benny Hinn as we get here, it's just, we're going to get rid of it. It, that... There is no reason to have an article of clothing in my wardrobe that I am going to look at on a day-in and day-out basis that does nothing but bring a false sense of shame and pressure. That if Jesus would say when I am battling with sin that I need to be serious enough to cut off my hand and pluck out my eyes, speaking of, then, then He would say those can go somewhere that I don't have to see them. And if they're not healthy for me, where they go is the goodwill. 
I just, and that's the kind of thing where you may need to bring some folks in. But again, we place this at this point in the journey because we got to kind of have some strength to go through and do that. Uh, But it's an important step where we say, you know, I am not living to please that set of clothing. I am living to be a good steward of my body. And whatever wardrobe goes with being a good good steward of my body, glory to God, let's get after it. Um, Implement healthy food habits. Uh, And I give just an assortment here for uh, overeating, over-restricting. This is the point where, you know, we all kind of do those internet searches and we go, what are some good ideas? Um, Anything that's a decently good idea, you can insert right here. Okay, all of those types of things, this is the kind of place where we put those kind of uh, micro-strategies, we might call them. So if, you know, I'm struggling with overeating, then once I finish dinner, uh, I floss and brush my teeth just to kind of mark I'm I'm done with eating. I prefer not to drink my calories uh, because they tend to consume more than I thought. So maybe water with a little bit of lemon for flavor, an afternoon cup of soup. This goes back to that idea, if we are consistently hungry, we will not lose weight. Consistently being hungry will eat away at our willpower. If you just take a a nice healthy can of soup uh, in the afternoon, then you will lose less weight in a week and more weight in three months because you will spend less time feeling hungry. Um, A high-fiber diet... Uh, it slows down digestion um, by the nature of the way uh, the body digests fiber. You're going to feel satisfied longer. Uh, dairy products increase our metabolism. If you're at a restaurant, uh, portions tend to be oversized. You can order the lunch portion, a half portion. You can ask for a to-go box. If you want a good dessert, I love a good dessert. But if I'm going to get a d- good dessert, I want it at a restaurant. It's going to be better. And then that's how much I get. If I take a friend or my family with me and we split it together, it's a more enjoyable experience all the way around. If I go to the grocery and get a box of dessert, then I got a whole box of dessert at home. And it's not nearly as good and it's more tempting. And so I'd rather have the good one that I really enjoy with people that I enjoy than something I'm going to be tempted to eat in private. Now, if your struggle is with over-restricting, plan ahead. Again, if your natural tendency has been not to eat enough, no longer give yourself that choice. Uh, Choose foods that you want to try. Food adventures. Uh, I have two boys, so we don't do daddy dates because boys aren't into dates. We do adventures, so that's why I kind of use the word adventures here. But just have things that as you say, I I want to try new things and make it uh, kind of this uh, adventure thing. Identify qualities that you admire in people of all different body types and sizes. Begin to see that the quality of a person is not measured by the shape of their body. And have people of all different shapes and sizes that you admire. Pray for them and thank God for what God does through them regularly. Uh, And refuse to believe that nutrition can come in the form of a multivitamin. Even if scientists develop something that 100% of all your nutritionary needs in a little pill, that would not be healthy. And so we, we can't confuse uh, nutrition with a multivitamin. 
Now, another thing uh, that we have to do in terms of a healthy relationship with food is we have to learn to deal with criticism. And so I give just a few things here we'll cover in brief. Know what is most important. Usually when criticism derails us, it's because a secondary or tertiary thing has become primary. When I keep the main thing the main thing, I weather criticism better. Have friends with whom you're already being honest. Criticism is much easier to take when the people who know me and I care about most already know. When I am honest about my weaknesses and shortcomings with the people that I'm doing life with who are closest to me, then when somebody else notices it, it matters a lot less. Uh, because those are conversations that I'm already having. Uh, own and learn from your mistakes and failures. Uh, repent with humility, um, but not with shame. Now, I am eager to learn and grow. I'm not going to be defined. If you bring something to me that I can do better, I want to learn and grow from that in any way that is profitable, that doesn't set something else as being askew. I'm not going to be defined by it. Uh, that's what we're talking about there. And don't get distracted from what's most important. Uh, we'll get to that a whole lot in step nine. Kind of brings us back to step one. Um, last part here of that is, um, is to practice self-compassion. Uh, culturally, uh, I think the, um, the phrase that's probably more typically used is self-esteem. Uh, if you look at the scientific research on self-esteem... Um, it just doesn't cut the mustard. Uh, it, you look at the research and say, do people who have the highest self-esteem tend to have the most satisfying life? Study after study after study says no. Um, you take the lead researcher at Florida State University who did this with like Brown University in Utah, so we're not talking about like bastions of conservatism or something like that. It just, it's a self-esteem is still a concept for one reason. It makes money. Now, when you look at those studies and you say, what is it that contributes to a satisfying and productive life? It's much more self-compassion than it is self-esteem. It's not saying I'm good enough and I'm, you know, I've got this. And it, it's not this kind of inner cheerleader rah-rah party is being perfectly honest with my weaknesses and mistakes, just dealing with them with grace and compassion. I think what we would say, it's dealing with my shortcomings with the gospel instead of the law. It is dealing with them from the vantage points of God's acceptance, not in order to earn God's acceptance. Uh, that And this, like everything else, that's how... We want to approach it. And so I give you a spot here because there's no way that you're going to do all of these things in each of these areas where you can just begin to write out which of these practices in each of those areas would be most important for me to start with and what is it that I want to gain from it. Hopefully by this point you get a sense that this is very much what I would want to share with a friend. This is the kind of thing where I want to invite somebody into my life. I don't feel icky about it. I feel like, absolutely, why would I not? This is absolutely uh, what I want to do.